Imagine bold, naturally aged Tillamook cheddar slices melting over a burger, eating handfuls of thick-cut cheddar shreds straight from the bag, taking a bite out of an irresistibly bold block of extra-sharp cheddar cheese. We know you want to get back to streaming, but wasn't it nice to daydream about cheese for a bit? Tillamook Cheddar, extraordinary dairy. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, hello there, Patreon listeners. You lucky bastards. What a day this will be. Hello, I'm Henry Zabrowski. I'm alone. I have no Ben Kissel here, so I got got nobody to weigh down this interview. It's just my thoughts against this other man's thoughts. And I'm excited for our thoughts to collide, slide into each other, and eventually make little children thoughts. But I also knew how many times have I said this? Abortion should be mandatory. So we might have to get rid of some of these child thoughts simply so that they don't I don't know, man. I've, I've already, we're here already. I've already said abortion. We're 30 seconds in. Um, but the, welcome to the interview. This is the director of one of my favorite films of 2020. Uh, it was a, a light spot in a dark year, and we're excited to have you, Stephen Kostansky, the director of Psycho Goreman. Hi, thanks for having me. Let's, uh, let's make some babies. Like we Why? Said. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's have our, let's have our ch- ch- thought children. Um, I started as a fan of Biocop, but I'll tell you what, which is really funny because I think that it might happen quite a bit to horror directors where I first learned of Biocop from a shirt from Atomic (laughs) Cotton. Oh, yeah. It's a great shirt. One of my favorite shirts that's been made in my life. It's such a great idea to do glow in the glow in the dark shirt of Biocop. It's perfect. It's so good. I just want to ask, first of all, if you're listening to this, stop the interview and go watch Biocop. It's like five and a half minutes long. It I can, also, it, I should also point out, I don't even know where it's available online. Like it's, it's like on, on YouTube. You, it's, it's okay. unfortunately, it's now like they've pirated. It. It's gone. It's it's okay. free. Well, that's fine as long as there's a place for people to watch it. Because I mean, typically it's attached to uh, my feature film Manborg as like an extra on the DVD. That's right. Uh, Manborg also is rule. That also rules. Oh, thank you. But yeah, Biocop. I guess it's on YouTube. I thought. I think there was like a German dub. <laughs> Just search it. I'm sure it'll pop up somewhere. Can I ask the dumb shit question up top of like, so w- where did Biocop come from? Because I know you started in makeup and special effects, right? Yeah, well, started and I'm still doing. That's literally yes. what I was doing this afternoon before this interview. I'm That's over sweet. at Masters Effects Toronto right now working on uh, jumping back and forth between The Boys Season 3 and Umbrella Academy Season 3 doing effects and stuff. If so. you see our buddy, friend of the show, Jack Wade, say hello. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't want to say anything, but I work. I got to work with him on some stuff on this season. So uh, when we were interviewing him earlier this year, talking about being covered in blood 
and how it's a it's a trial and it's like I did a show where I was fully body painted and had prosthetics all over me 24 hours a day for months at a time oh, and yeah. it does become harrowing but as an actor it's very freeing yeah I mean it definitely takes a certain kind of person to do the full prosthetics thing uh it's you, you gotta have the right personality for it and I do admire actors who can do kind of anything in that sphere like I love anybody that can get covered in blood get like gore gags attached to them who could just be in that world and enjoy it because there's a lot of actors who really don't and it makes my job very difficult so they just don't understand is that it's so much fun it's the actual for me in in that type of scenario like the idea of like having a full facial prosthetic so when i look in the mirror i don't see me anymore i think it goes back to the sort of the real elemental version of play that acting can be it is like the only kind of acting that I enjoy doing too. Like I don't like being on camera, but if I've got like a full creature suit on or like robot suit or whatever, like I, I play a bunch of characters in psycho Gorman and Manborg and I'm in the void briefly, briefly as like one of the cultists. Like I love getting in there if I know my face is covered and there's a certain kind of like freeness to that, that you don't get uh, when you're like, you know, exposed to the world. Because you know what? Everybody, you know, like, yeah, I like a mumblecore movie every once in a while. Like, I understand, like, people need films that are about, like, a brother and a sister quietly talking, um, like that kind of shit. But for me, the magic of movies is you get to be an alien every once in a while. <laughs> oh, totally. Well, it's variety. If you had to be an alien every day for, like, 20 years, you'd probably get sick of it. But if you get to be an alien one day and then like some kind of slasher killer the next day and then like you know blown up in a war scene the other day like that to me is like the best life you can ask for is just being in every kind of story it's so cool because yeah i imagine the guy played ferengi must have wanted to commit suicide at some point like you just have that hat on because it's just a hat that wraps around your whole head you have like you just see eyeballs and nose and mouth and that is all that is free Oh, yeah. Having to wear all that head low for uh, Star Trek, I imagine, gets tiring. And then, but that speaks more to just the process of TV, I think, whereas probably being a Ferengi in a Star Trek movie is fun because you do yes. it for a few days and, you know, it, it you know, it ends eventually. But if it's a show where it's like, oh, we're going seven seasons, I think you'd get sick of it pretty quick. That's pretty sweet, though. Uh, but yeah, so I want to talk about Biocop first, because Biocop is fucking hilarious. And <laughs> it's the concept of an, a, a cop brought back to life who got caught in a scientific experiment who's now desperate to die and can't. <laughs> he's like forced to be a superhero is fantastic. It's such an absurd idea. And I have to give credit to my effects artist uh, friend, who's kind of come up through the industry with me over the past decade, Michael Walsh. Uh, It was me and him were working late one night on this sci-fi show uh, called Defiance. I don't know if you remember that show. It had like a, it had a tie-in video game. It was, it lasted three, four seasons, a few seasons. Anyways, Michael and I were working at Paul Jones effects uh, and we're making this character called, I believe it was called Bioman. Anyways, we're, we're working, making molds and just doing like crappy lab effects work. And we're just riffing on, on, like we just blurted out Biocop just out of nowhere and just start riffing on this idea of like, well, what would Biocop even be? 
And I think that same day we'd been talking about that part in the fly two where the guy gets sprayed in the face with the like fly acid and he's like pulling his face off and screaming. And, yeah. And we were joking about like, well, what if there was a character where like that was just their whole life? Was, <laughs> was that like one second of agony was every minute of their day? And so then we just started throwing this character into like cop scenarios, like very mundane scenarios, like pulling someone over for a traffic ticket, but they're just in the worst agony. Please let me die. And I love when he absorbs his partner. Like he's just constantly bleeding and screaming at people, throwing up acid. It's so much fun. And also it's like such a centered SFX idea. Yes. It's very incredible melting man. Like, it's just your whole concept is centered around a thing that's just a constant effect, which is my favorite kind of thing, because being somebody that's you know visually creative and wants to make monsters and robots all day long, like the idea of having something centered around a character like that, that's also constantly evolving like that. It's with Biocop, it's fun to mess with his mythology and come up with all the weird stuff that he can do randomly, like. Yeah, like absorbing his partner. There's there's almost like a Lovecraftian level of like mythology to this character. And I love that people just the, in the world of the Biocop movies and even in Psycho Gorman, it's like people are just oblivious to it and they don't care, which to me is like the worst pain is which is worse than yeah, not being able to die is the fact that nobody gives a shit. And it's like we should give that man a badge and get him out there. <laughs> He's just the pawn of the system. Like yeah. <laughs> he's just sort of used by everyone, which I think is really funny. And then people attach emotions to him and like, yeah. you know, like, and he's, they act as if they're having whole conversations, but then his whole thing <laughs> is just being like, why am I still alive? Which is but, my favorite statement. But at the same time, he has brief flashes of like positivity, which is my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like when he gets the sunglasses on and like gives the thumbs up, it's yeah, like, yeah. Is- all right. Like, why is he happy for that moment? Like, he's just a total enigma of a character, and that's what I love about him. He's just a tornado of nonsense that, like, you can't track. You can't predict what he's going to do, and that, to me, is, like, the most fun kind of character to have in a movie. Did Biocop lead to Manborg? Like, how did you go from doing the short to the movie? Was it one of those things where you learned from making the short? Like, were you always wanting to be a director, or did you... No, it like I, special effects. I started out doing stop motion animation, uh, like in my dad's workshop. He loaned me a Super 8 camera when I was 12. And so every summer I would just do these little like stop motion frame by frame animations with clay figures. And that's when I got obsessed with with the power of storytelling in film. And I wanted to yeah. continue that. And like it eventually advanced to doing live action stuff with my friends. But in like working with clay and in stop motion, it was like anything I wanted. So it was always like monsters and fantastical things. And so that carried into live action. It's like, I didn't want to just have like two characters on a park bench talking. I wanted, I wanted action. I wanted spectacle. I wanted creatures and like fantasy stuff. And so that's when I started learning prosthetic effects. So I started making short films and things and submitting them to film festivals. And so like a few years after that, I'd met the, the rest of the guys from Mastron 6, Matt and Connor and Adam and Jeremy. And we all started working together. We formed Astron 6 as like a little collective of filmmakers. And it's like uh, a sketch group essentially, but 
it, Basically. but just filmmakers. Like you guys yeah. just making like a collab, which I, I honestly think really helps because I think the age of the auteur is dying because to be an auteur, I think a lot of times you have to be sort of like a visionary or like a yeah. dictator. Yeah. Well, and that's and not I'm, how movies work. Yeah. It, filmmaking is very collaborative. And for me, it was tough becoming collaborative, coming from stop motion. All animators are used to total control. When I shift doing a live action show for Adult Swim and like all of my bosses whom I loved and became mentors, they are animators first. So they look at yeah. you as a human thinking that you can do the things a cartoon can do. Oh, and yeah. you're like, no, though, but I'm still a man with a body and a mind. <laughs> Yeah, well, I have that same problem to this day where I will go up to <laughs> actors and like puppeteer them as though they're a stop motion armature and like I'll take their head and like turn it slightly and be like, and that's the shot I want. There we go. So that's what Wes Anderson does. I'm yeah. And I mean, I've kind of just embraced that. That's my weird. Uh, that's my technique, I guess. But <laughs> with Astron six, the best thing about those guys is that like we were such a fun group of friends that were all so different and like definitely clashed on stuff, but also, I don't know, there's just like a real genuine camaraderie and friendship there that brought me out of my shell a lot yeah. too. And it showed me like, Oh, working with other people can be super fun. Like making something like laser Ghost Two is like the most fun I've ever had in my life because I come up with all the weird sci-fi fantasy stuff that I like but then I throw those guys into it and I'm like, okay, now you guys make it like super funny and charming. Like, yes, here's, here's, here's a, like, here's some shitty laser guns and some Ghostbusters jumpsuits. <laughs> like now just, just go and riff and let's see what happens. And so that taught me that, that there is a real benefit to collaboration and it, it just enhances what you're making. Like it, it just improves everything you're doing. I think there are people that when that starts, because like it works great with Biopic Cop because Biopic Cop's five minutes long. So you can do it. It can be a little bit more sketchy. And but I think you really could see the the progression in your films, how you really do get better at telling story. And then uh, because Seppi, I'm one of those. I'm with you, man. Like I like movies for the most part, if they are just entertaining to look at quite a bit, like have funny set pieces, like I in fun and good, interesting dynamic set pieces. Like I am like, you know, I, I we were talking about this today. Uh, I was talking about with my wife about how the, the movie things was just played I, by <laughs> on last yeah, drive. And I, I was like, I like that movie better than I liked Phantom Threat. Yeah. I mean, I forced my girlfriend to watch things over the weekend. And uh, <laughs> I, I think I guess I just have like an, it's an intuitive enjoyment of movies where it's like more emotional. And to me, that is more just about the tone that a movie creates, like through yeah. just music and spectacle. Like, like, I just love the way certain movies wash over me. And it's not so much an intellectual thing where I'm like, let's dissect like what this scene means. It's more just about how it makes me feel in the moment. And that's but like it definitely is tough to approach movies in that fashion and then also want to make them. Yes. Wanting to just like whatever popped into my head, that's what I would go shoot. And you can do if you're sitting in your corner animating, like that's one thing. But if you're working with a team, you have to have a plan because making movies is like legitimate work and working with a team, you have to communicate. So that was a big learning curve for me. And uh, I'm still learning. And it's uh, I don't think that yeah, ever stops. Stuff. I think that it's yeah. a constant thing because you have to figure out how to the director seems to be his one job is to 
dictate the vision and talk and translate it to everybody yeah. else because you can really see it like you know classically troll 2 right yeah. where the actual physical lack of communication the fact that the crew was all italian and they could yep. not speak english well enough to understand shows why the movie while it is entertaining is also kind of a schizophrenic mess yeah well and like it's it's tough because i also genuinely love movies like that me too like, i i'm such a huge fan of weird misfires like one of my f- favorites is highlander 2 which is a movie that is a like garbage, awful movie. Like it's a total mess, but it's such beautiful imagery. And like the idea is so bonkers that I just love like just being in it, like in that kind of, that kind of bombastic spectacle where it's like so passionately wrong. It's it's audacious. It takes the chance of survival. Like it literally like this movie somehow like lives yeah, yeah, I love it when they take that big swing. And even if it's a miss, like, I just love that they went for it. Because that, to me, is way better than somebody being like, I'm going to make a real subtle, sedate thing and, like, play it safe. Like, I don't like people playing it safe and just slotting their movie into whatever is hot in the moment and just making, like, making that thing that was successful again but slightly different like that bugs me whereas i want stuff that's like weird and off the wall and makes me go like oh geez like that was like a slap in the face almost it was so like counter to what i'm used to a movie being so but yeah that's what i think psycho gorman honestly dude uh does so well is it to me it's, it's such a great touch points of the story's genuinely funny and interesting like it is the kids are, I believe the kids, the parents are hilarious in their own world. I also believe the logic of PG. Like I believe yeah. his world, like it is weirdly grounded, but it's also fucking great and violent. The only acceptable reason to interrupt the podcast, your dog. <coughs> that was your dog saying, thank you for bark box. You can take a minute now. You pet your dog. You're going to learn about Bark. It's a company dedicated to making dogs happy. Yay. Every month, Bark Box designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. No, Wendy, I can't get you a whip. You're too cute for weapons. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Mmm, tubers. My dogs love their toys selectively. But BarkBox sends good little ones for their little tiny mouths. They have little mouths, but strong, big spirits. So they fight over the little toys. I imagine they think that they are hunting and going after little bugs and rats. And, oh, they love their life and they love the, They love what BarkBox brings. Because BarkBox brings the bark and puts it in a box. Yep. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash L-E-F-T. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, 
you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hi, did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt and I love planting things myself. And Fast Growing Trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I didn't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Yeah, I mean, it's juggling a lot of stuff, that movie, but it's like, it's a pretty good distillation of all of my sensibilities. Is Crazy Ball Calvin Ball? Is basically Calvin Ball, yes. Yeah, yeah. I was, it was oh, like, it was the first thing. It's so funny. I was like, that's Calvin Ball. Because the, I, we talk about it. Joe Bob uh, Briggs just brought this up recently about how modern filmmakers are way more about the idea of like, you could see way more people showing their their like nods to what inspired them. Yeah. Well, I feel like it's almost like writing an essay where you kind of need to like cite your sources before Mm -hmm. you can move a thing forward. Cause I find it's way worse to like pretend like you exist in a vacuum and other things don't exist. And yes. And I mean, it's not to say that that doesn't work and like filmmakers haven't pulled that off, but to me, it's like, I want to like give some acknowledgement and respect to the stuff that got me this passionate about movies in the first place, but then I also want to take everything a step further. Like, like I, I treat all that stuff as like, that's like the spark 
And then the actual fire is like what I build around it. You know, Absolutely. Yeah, like Scorsese talks about the battleship Potemkin, but you talk about Troll 2. You know what <laughs> I mean? It's But the same, it's still there, right? Like it's yeah. the same lineage where it's like people do. The only thing, I think the only person that truly lives in a universe of his own is David Lynch. Yes. Oh, I 100% agree with that. But it's, he, he it's sees kinda, the edges of it. We yeah. don't. But it's, I think, regardless of whether it's like, yeah, Lynch or Scorsese, it's like, it's just everybody like just has their own language of what their like, what their film speak is, like what, how their movie speaks to the audience. And you build that language on movies, uh, on what you were brought up on and what, what kind of like has turned you into a filmmaker in the first place. And yeah. everybody kind of comes from a different place and has different influences and different things that just subconsciously are always there. Like, I feel like I'm making references to stuff without even knowing. Like, there's stuff, I can't remember offhand exactly what, but there's stuff in PG that people brought up were like, oh, is that like kind of like that one movie? And I'm like, oh, I guess it, I guess it, it is. It got in there, right? Yeah. Like, honestly, it somehow it slipped in and it went into my hands and eyeballs. And wait, I saw it again on this movie. And I get it going back to like intuitive film enjoyment and it's also intuitive filmmaking it's like trusting my gut is i think often informed by what my instincts just know is right and my instincts are informed by you know decades of watching uh schlocky full moon and empire pictures movies uh, i talk about for myself right if i uh what i view as me doing a good job as a comedian as me getting out of my own way and getting in the quote unquote zone and trying to trust myself that I know what is funny. I know what's that's going to come out of my mouth is going to be useful or, or how to move on that, 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 that type of thing. Do you feel like that it was the transgression of, it was the progression of doing these movies that like you really begin to feel that assurity, like knowing that like, Oh, this is like, I like that idea, that intuitiveness. I think it definitely comes from my past films like pg is definitely a product of everything i've made up to this point because each experience was so different than the other like manborg was such a like just no budget garage movie like like an ambitious thing that i did not have the resources to do and it was as close to just making a movie on my own as possible uh so like that movie i think if pg is closest to any of my other filmography it's probably manboard where they're it's very like similar most... dna wise you could see it but then i yes. kind of want to almost ask being like but the void is like kind of a stripped down even though you do up there is elements in it but i mean it's obviously nowhere near manborg or pg in terms of spectacle like did you feel like was that like a movie that you pitched because you thought it would be easier to make like you thought that that well, would be easier to pitch or it was a collaboration between me and Jeremy Gillespie and his tastes and sensibilities. While we definitely have a lot of crossover, I think overall are very different from mine where he's way more uh, subtle and understated and well-composed. And I'm way more like slapdash cowboy. Yeah. Uh, like kind of like fly by the seat of your pants filmmaking. Yeah. Uh, and so those two things mashed together are what made the void what it is and it was a honestly it was a frustrating experience i think for both of us just trying to get that movie made for a multitude of reasons but making that movie did uh show me that like 
maybe that type of movie isn't something I want to always be making. I need variety. Like very, yeah, it's very traditional kind of like a grindhousey cult horror movie. Yeah, um, it's a very like straightforward horror film compared to the rest of my filmography or even Astron 6's filmography. Like it's a very like point A to B story, even though it does get totally bonkers. It's, it's great like, though. I love the void. And it got well, a lot of play. Oh yeah. Well, that's what's I'm so happy about with the movie is that it seems like it, it, it gained its life after its release. Like when we first put it out, we were both a little disappointed with the response. It seemed like people were expecting a manborg or a father's day. And instead they got like a legitimate horror movie. Cause the goal, like Jeremy and I agreed from the top that we wanted to make a movie that was actually scary. Like make a creature feature that was scary. Scary's hard, man. Like we, yeah. we even been talking about it ourselves. Like, cause in terms of doing last podcast and left, we have nothing but like scary things to draw upon, but making something truly tense, truly terrifying is something that's a, that's a whole other thought process. I think it's like making yep. music or making like the, the people that can think in music thinking in horror is yes. very specific. Well, and also you break out of that for one second and the whole illusion crumbles, yeah. which is a very scary thing making that film because then suddenly making effects for it as well, it became like, well, this has to be convincing. And so, you, yeah, your brain, the way you think about the project changes completely because you know that like if any, if the illusion is broken in any way in any department, then the whole thing doesn't work. And so- yeah. Yeah, it was a really tough project and it was hard to like get it anywhere near what we envisioned it being for like a, a multitude of factors. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I'm very proud of what we accomplished with it. Uh, Jeremy's like design work on the movie, like the triangle imagery. Um, it was go so, gorgeous. So bold. And like, I feel like it's even now, like people still talk about it and they talk about the cultists and like, I got to give all the credit to Jer on that. Like yeah. just figuring out that kind of that, the like visual style of the movie is so much of like what the personality and the identity of the movie is. And so I, yeah, I think despite all the horrible shit we went through to get it made, like I'm very proud of it and of the work we did on it. I'll say, though, in terms of reaction, the idea of like not breaking the universe and because then you ruin the movie. I'm one of those people and I've been stared at in movie theaters before. But when things are really scary or like a big kill comes, they make me laugh. And it's not really out of uncomfortability. I think some people say it's always oh, because you're comfortable. You don't want to sit in silence. It's like it's the opposite. It's like I'm genuinely delighted when I yep. see something that's very scary. Well, I always think back to uh, when I saw the remake of The Ring in theaters. Yes. And there's, and there's that big scare early on yeah. when the closet door opens. So nobody in the theater saw that coming. I remember that feeling, dude. The audience, like, jump. They jump, but what's great is everybody screamed and jumped and then started laughing and kind of like talking amongst themselves like oh my god i can't believe that yeah, happened like yeah. and also just this like kind of communal uh kind of like celebration of like oh my god that got everybody in the theater is well, just like it's such an electric god. feeling it's so good 
I just missed seeing. I just saw The Conjuring three in theaters. It's like, which is it's good. It's fine. You know what I mean? Like their 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 view of Satanists is hilarious. Um, because there's nighttime and daytime Satanists. I don't know if you know. I was not aware of that. Nighttime, I didn't know they differentiated. Oh no, there is. And nighttime Satanists are far more active. The problem with Conjuring three is become like a Christian superhero franchise. I noticed- a lot of reviews pointing that out, which is why I'm not really chasing it down. It seems like, I don't but know. The thing That's is, really is my but my thing, I just missed that experience in a theater so much. Like I, I really know. can't wait to get back to seeing really scary movies in the theater. Cause the dark and the wicked this year, the dark and the wicked and the lodge and host were all yeah. three of like the, like I probably put them towards the scariest films I saw yeah. last year. And I was like, man, I miss being in a theater just like cackling as like, yeah. I just was thinking hereditary when she does that yep. when she's fucking cutting her throat. I was just screaming with laughter and I miss I, it so I, much. Yeah. I was going to bring up hereditary because both that and midsummer, I enjoyed those experiences, not just as like watching a horror movie and just loving it and being taken on this crazy ride, but also just watching people in the theater, like, kind of get upset with yeah. it not being the experience they wanted it to be like they you could tell that they wanted a conjuring movie and what they got was like something way darker and like oh, harder yeah. to digest so i just i love that uncomfortableness in a theater where you tell people like aren't into it uh it's and it just so makes good. me enjoy it more this show is sponsored by better help says here i have to talk about something i need to get off my chest and i guess i can share it here i I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine. And it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up. And a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. How many platforms do I work on? So many platforms. Can you believe it? Google Docs. Work on that. Very complicated. Lots of different things going out. Clickety-clack, right? Slack. Saying things to my employees. All of my, all my, my main doldgers walking around here. It makes sure it changes cluck to the word I meant for it to say to everyone. But I try to say not curse words on Slack. What am I supposed to do about it? But Grammarly doesn't fix curse words, does it? Because Grammarly's too good for it. It's too classy. It's Grammarly is an AI writing partner that helps you get work done faster with high quality writing. Because better writing means a stronger impact. The pen is mightier than the sword. Except when the sword is in the room. 96% of Grammarly users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing and suggestions based on your audience goals and context. Can you believe it? And data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly. It's in its goods. 
All right, so Grammarly's great. Use it. I use it. I love its gentle harassment of my writing style because it does help me because sometimes my thumbs are faster than my eyeballs. Don't quote me on that. Get AI writing support that works where you work. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanadas already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. When you see someone's like nights ruined by yes. the thing that you're watching, you love it. Like yeah. I'm sitting there and you're watching and people were fucked up. But it's like with my wife is always responds much harder to the emotional content. That's also what hereditary and midsummer fucking nails because like, oh, yeah, Tony Collette having the breakdown at dinner is yep. technically the scariest scene, the most like upsetting scene in the whole movie. Oh, there's a there's a few scenes I would I would list as being the most upsetting. I, I feel, like, I I feel like the son going like driving home and Ooh. going to bed and laying in bed and listening to his mom like Scream. freaking out is like the most horrifying thing imaginable. Wild, dude. Um, but then, but that's also. But what I appreciate is that Psycho Goreman because I do believe a perfect film has moments of some levity. Like, I love a dirge of a horror movie, but my favorite yeah. horror movies have at least acknowledgements of humanity and character within yeah. them that kind of, like, you you have this, like, momentary break. Like, the audience, like, is has that, like, relieved titter, and then you go back. Because the humor makes you like the person, you like the person, you care about what's going to happen to them. If you care and you don't want them to die it just makes the horror stuff more intense so much more powerful because you yeah. give a shit like um and because you're watching real people that's just one of those things where i was like looking at the difference between prometheus and alien right or and the idea that like the beginning of alien is this incredible ensemble that they you, again you fall in love with these yep. characters at the very top of alien and in prometheus it felt sort of like a an echo like kind of an emptier version of what he tried to what he was like trying to do what he did with alien yeah you could feel the effort there but it i don't know the best stuff feels effortless to me alien the character work in alien feels effortless because it just feels like you're watching real people dealing yes. with real problems like talking about the bonus situation like shooting the shit over dinner like all that stuff is just normal people stuff and i don't think prometheus really had any of that it's just stiff 
it was just stiff and all like plot driven. Like, yeah. like I almost wish all the plot was pushed into the background and you're just hanging out with people on this ship and just enjoying like their lives and their relationships and like drama between them and let the horror grow like slowly in the background, like alien. I wonder if it's notes. Like, I wonder if it comes down to story notes. You have producers and all these, especially because they want these movies to do really well in international markets, which means the, the also the, the exposition has to be nailed yes. and all of the information yeah. has to be nailed all the time so that people kind of, so the idea is that they can follow the plot where it's like, I'm with you. I'm like, fuck the plot. Well, but they don't give the audience enough credit that like you can figure out the plot. The whole point of like enjoying a story is that you're unraveling something. Yes. You're, if you're unraveling it, you're engaged, but if you're being handed it, you're just sitting there like, all right, when's the next piece coming? You know? And I don't think Prometheus lets you unravel anything. It's just, you're confused by decisions and then <laughs> also confused by just generally what's happening. It's like, what is, know? I like the guy, the, the white painted man is very cool looking. Yeah. Um, he was cool looking. And then I saw him at Comic-Con. I remember that a guy doing that at Comic-Con and I was like, that's yeah. the best part of Prometheus right there. I like, I like that guy. Oh yeah. Very striking imagery. But also what I think is interesting about a movie with like what you did with Psycho Gorman is that then there's the opposite where what I like the thing I was responding to is the idea that the premise is right there at the top. It's like you kind of get the premise out of the way. It's like, boom, yeah. boom, done. We're in the movie. Yeah. Oh, totally. And that to me is uh, like just a symptom of me as a storyteller and also as like a movie watcher and content enjoyer, even though I hate using the term content, but like with video games and books and things like I get bored super quick and I like when a plot like takes a left turn every like half hour or so yeah. or even less. Um, it's very much like kind of a Rick, Rick and Morty logic mm -hmm. where I feel like those episodes, the structure of their episodes, it's like the first like seven minutes is like an entire Futurama episode. And then the rest is pushing you beyond what you thought the plot could even like sending you to places you didn't even think that plot could go. And so that's what I wanted to do with PG was like, all right, the first like 15, 20 minutes is like basically the thing that you expect to get out of that trailer. And then I wanted to like think beyond that and like, well, where is this, where else could this go? Like what other kind of nonsense could happen with this scenario? And like really just get the most out of the premise. It's really growing as a cult movie. And I think it's because of that. I think it's because no matter what, how many times you sell the movie, people are going to think, oh, it's just this thing. It's it's just going to be this thing. But it's genuinely surprising. Like yeah. in the well, center of it. I'm sad that I haven't watched in a theater with an audience that has yeah, not seen man. the movie because there's a specific moment in the movie where PG is uh, looking at a magazine and admiring some hunky boys. <laughs> yes. And that moment is such a like crazy turning point. It's like, if you're not, if, if that moment doesn't land for you, you're not going to like this movie. Exactly. But, but I love that people, it's like, yeah, just, I, I imagine people watching it and that happening and that like realization in their mind going, Oh, that's what this movie is. Like, 
we're going to those kinds of places with this. Okay. Like, it's like telling you straight up, like now the movie gets nuts. So settle in. I kind of felt the same way. Mandy did that. Awesome. The same thing that, that the hinge on cheddar goblin, where all of a sudden you're like, what the fuck are we doing here? You know, like, Oh, like that's what's like cinema is still like, that's why I love my horror movies, man, is that they still have the opportunity to surprise the shit out of people. Yeah. Well, and also just having the freedom to do that, uh, is important. Like if this was a studio movie, like PG would have just been the first 20 minutes, you know, sure. like they would have been like, no stick to that premise and keep it real basic. But I was lucky in that like my producer team, uh, like Stuart, Jesse, Shannon, Pete, like they're just all these wonderful people surrounding me who were just like, just make the crazy thing you want to make and we'll deal with the rest. How did you get and perceive notes on this movie? Because I do think as a, a dark sketch comedian, the character, the character, like the, the dad, right? The idea of making him dark, like dark and kind of fucked up. And he kind of deals with it. He's kind of this ineffectual dad, which is like a studio normally is going to tell you that that's got to go. Like they don't like it. They don't want the family to be too unique. You know what I mean? They, they don't want, want the it to be weird. And yeah, they don't want him to have issues it, but it's funny, especially with the dad, because it's like I make him such a pathetic schlub, but then there's also so much reverence for him. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Kind of just love <laughs> his shitty life and the like how delusional he is. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think it, being able to embrace characters like that is something you would not get with a studio where with like the team making this film, it was like we were all kind of on not even kind of like we were all definitely on the same page about like the style of humor of this thing and and embracing moments that make no sense but are funny in the moment like even the bit with like the chicken in the microwave was like that's totally grew just out of being on set and doing it and just me being like well what if the chicken was like totally melted like (laughs) like i took a little like i took like a little hand torch and went in and like really cooked it like melted the plastic and everything because i was like when we open this i want it to look crazy yeah ridiculous but then doing the slow zoom in on adam when he's saying you're welcome and him like starting to tear up was like just a thing that in the moment we're like that's super weird let's keep doing that so it's it's just being able to find a moment when it's happening and just like grab onto it and be like, let's get all we can out of this, even if it's like kind of derailing what the scene is actually about, because I don't know, I feel like that just makes stuff more memorable and interesting. Like I always go for weird. If you can accomplish weird and have your audience coming up being like, that movie was weird. Like, I think you've done a good job. Absolutely. Well, you also I think it also takes single mindedness of vision behind the production team for it to work like you guys all found it funny and were in on the joke. And so was the cast. I think that when half the people aren't in on the joke who are making the film, that's when it starts to look messy because then because you I've seen you see movies that are weird for weird sake. And some of them are just not even successful, even in that realm, because it's like it's there's something missing. Well, you got to be sincere with it too. Like I, I hate like winking at the camera type stuff. Like, like acting like your movie's like in on the joke. Like yes. I, I approached PG like very seriously. And like with all the actors was clear that like 
you're not hamming it up on this. Like this isn't like scary movie. Like yeah. this humor only works if you believe the characters in the situation. And so hammering that home was important and making sure everybody embraced that and, and embraced the fact that like, it's a dead serious scenario where absurd things are happening. It's the truth. It's why it's weirdly grounded. It somehow yeah. works out, especially with the big, huge characters. How was this? How was it being on set with that much special effects and that many people in that much it makeup was, and costumes? I mean, there are definitely some rough days where I like would have a moment where I'm like, this was maybe a little too ambitious which is funny because when I wrote it, I was like, this is like a pretty small movie. But I realized that I realized that I've said that on every movie, like on The Void, me and Jeremy were like, oh, this is like a pretty contained horror movie. And it ended up being this huge thing. Oh, yes. Uh, Manborg is the same thing. Like everything. I don't know. I guess my idea of like what small actually is and like what's achievable with not a lot of money is totally unreasonable. Um, but yeah, there were some days where it was like there would be like I don't know, like eight creature suits playing That's at so once. Much, and it's just like so much shit being thrown at the camera. And I got to give a shout out to my creature effects team. Like I had really uh, talented and generous people uh, come and help out and really uh, just kind of like pull everything together with very little time, very little money. And uh, just basically for just the passion of making something this crazy. It's so it it really hangs together. So what's next? Are you going to do? Is this your drawing room? Like comedy is the next thing to do. Like, are you going to do something along the lines? You know, something subtle. Is it time for your phantom thread? <laughs> oh, no. movie work. I remember I saw it in Brooklyn. It was just like and people was going. <laughs> <laughs> like laughing like they're 1980s rich people and i was like yeah. i don't know what's oh. happening yeah no i don't think i'll ever make a movie like that like i want to make movies that please my sensibilities mm -hmm. and i'm trying to make my goal is to essentially make like a video store shelf of movies that i can then send back in time to kid steve yes i mean i, I will definitely dabble in like more serious stuff at some point sure I'm all for it i want to challenge Psycho myself Sega Gorman 2 is off the um is that off the uh the radar there? You can't do that. Oh well I'm trying to do something, Sega yes. Gorman. There, there's gonna be more stuff. That's all I can say. Right. We now. just want more. I PG. know, I know. How this do you is... feel about that? You have a bunch of people being like, I want the character that we loved, and I want it again, but I now I want it the way I want it, sir. I know. I, it's scary. I'm getting into that uh awful George Lucas territory of now I've created this thing that everybody loves, but they also have have projected their own their own kind of ideas of what that character is. And yes, ownership. So, I mean, PG will return in some form. And yes. my goal is to just make it come back in a way that's so crazy. Nobody expected it to go this way. Yes, that's, that's the goal. Yes. So, yeah. Phantom Thread. Yeah, play play dead serious. <laughs> it's just him, just full on. He is the effect a suit designer in 1945. I don't know. Like, I, I don't mean, even know what that movie. I don't even know when that movie took place. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of me remaking Phantom Thread as a Psycho Gorman sequel, having never seen Phantom Thread. No, no clue what it is. And just kind of going off of a trailer and assumptions of what it would be. I think just, that's a that's a great approach for a sequel. 
just need him to rip apart a woman. I just want to see <laughs> one Paul Thomas Anderson movie where it's just like he goes full gore. Where, where he does full gore? Yeah, full I, gore. I guess he's never I mean, I haven't seen all of his movies, but to my knowledge, he's never really had gore. It's a lot of implied off-screen violence. There's, yes, yes, there's some light violence, but never like that. He's never done a full horror because I don't think that interests him. He's like a Robert Altman kind of guy. Yeah, understandable. And in the same way that like his types of movies, I would never attempt to make because I live in uh, Sam Raimi, Don Coscarelli land where everything needs to be crazy. So hey, that's man. fine to each his own. We love it. <laughs> And the, uh, to people like me, because uh, I watch all of it, man. I watch every single horror movie that comes out. We, well, the we fact just that do- we we just talked about things is pretty telling to me that you are aware of that movie at all. I love it. a lot. I am. I get excited by horror. It's really cool <laughs> to talk with. Because also the one thing, too, I think that people respond to Psycho Goreman is I think it's what you it's a bunch of people that like the movie who share the same like movie language and what they like and they're just like yes somebody gets it there's just a very specific stream of movie that doesn't seem to exist anymore that's kind of in those genres like kind of bending genre rules um and i just want to keep making movies in that vein because i think we need them yeah we do stuff like that we do we have to help stabilize this nation yep it's the only thing that'll do it is more psycho gourmet that's it that's it and that's the pressure that you now yep. face. You got to bring him. You got to bring him back. It's a lot. It's, and, I'm, and I'm letting you know, I'm increasing it. We great. need it. Well, it's a heavy burden, but I carry it gladly. Thank he's you. crying. You can't see. They're actually tears are actually <laughs> tears streaming down his face. Yeah. And he's I'm talking about him saving America and he's Canada. Right? <laughs> yeah. He's in your seat. You're stuck over there. But you got to come. We need you here. I know it's pretty generous of me to offer to, to save your entire country. But you know what? I'm going to do it. That's what I need I to do. hear. Finally, a guarantee. I am sick of all of these fucking whatever, man. Everybody's weak, man. You're sick of empty promises, so I'm just going to promise I'm going to save your entire country right yes, now. Yes, that's what I'm talking about, man. <laughs> it's a very full promise. Um, but I want to say thank you so much for talking to me, dude. Uh, you have been Stephen Kostansky. Do well, you want you this whole time? Do you have anything you want to plug? Do you want to talk about uh, how Jeffrey Tubin's back? Who? The guy who it doesn't matter, dude. It doesn't matter. Some piece of shit. The guy jerked off on the Zoom call. He oh, got fired. He's oh, back. Why is he back? Because he, he said, back? I'm sorry. Oh, so you're oh, we're in an age now where you can actually say you're sorry and come back. No, oh. no, he's not. He's not going to. He's not going to last. Okay. I don't think I well, think he's going to he's going to come on Zoom again. <laughs> There's no way he's not going to because now he knows he can get away with it. Well, he's coming back because he knows he can do better. I'm assuming he's going to put on a better show. And that's what we're waiting for. It's just going to be full. I think I think that Jeffrey Tubin is going to do one of those things where he takes a pool stick and he just slowly inserts it up his butt on a call. And he's being like, I can take more. I can take more. You don't think I can? I work for CNN. <laughs> just watch. You watch. It's going to come out my mouth. <laughs> Um, this has been great, dude. Um, yeah, so yeah, you guess they could find you on social media if you want that. Yeah, uh, my Instagram at kill underscore Kostansky is uh, that's like my work account where I post photos from all my movies and stuff. That's the best Sweet. place to 
to see what Pester I'm up you. to you right and yeah. ask him where is your psycho Goreman? Um, did tell him your ideas. He honestly, you're open to pitches, right? I'll you t- want, yeah, yeah. Send me all your pitches. And scream at him if he doesn't get back to you. Because I'm not busy at all, guys. I am just sitting and waiting. He, to read you can't see him. He is in a bubble bath right now. He has a hairnet on. He is just he's just kicking up his heels. That's just, what he told me before we got on the call. He says, I've been spawning it all day. I'm just refreshing my email and I'm not seeing any scripts yet. So like, so, I guess I'll go to sleep unless somebody sends me a script. That's what he does. That's all he does. He sleeps <laughs> and then he makes it bleed as soon as yep. they give him that fat stack of cash. Because I also oh, know yeah. you're just in it for the big old money, man. I, I'm just in it for the Benjamins, man. That's yeah, all I can say. I know, bro. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this Patreon interview. Uh, thank you so much for giving us your money. Uh, now give this man your money so that he can yeah. make more films. All right. So hail sweet Satan. And thank you, Steve. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.